Hi, I'm Yusuf Hassan, and you're listening to Africa Aware, a podcast from the Chatham House Africa program. Welcome back to Africa Aware, and welcome back to another special episode in the year of the 20th anniversary of the Africa program at Chatham House. On this episode, I am honoured to be joined by African Union Commissioner for Political Affairs, Peace and Security, His Excellency, Commissioner Bankole Adioya where we spoke about the future of African peace and security. Across this broad conversation, we discussed the African peace and security architecture, the impacts of climate change on peace and security, women's participation, African security deployments across the continent, and we made sure to have a particular focus on African agency in every single one of these areas. We really hope you enjoy listening. Ambassador Bankole Adioya is a Pan-African career diplomat with over three and a half decades of experience in peace, security and sustainable development. Commissioner Adioya assumed office as the African Union Commissioner for Political Affairs, Peace and Security on the 15th of March 2021, having been elected the month before at the 34th African Union Summit. Prior to his appointment, he served as Nigeria's permanent representative to the African Union, the United Nations Economic Commission for Africa, and ambassador to Ethiopia with accreditation to Djibouti. From 2007 to 2015, on secondment to NEPAD, he held the strategic positions of Chief of Staff to the Chief Executive, Coordinator of Partnerships and External Relations, and as Director of Corporate Services. Commissioner Bankoli, thank you so much for joining us on Africa Aware today. Thank you so much. As a leader on the African continent with such a wide-ranging and challenging, let's say, portfolio, we have a couple of questions for you in relation to that. The first being, Commissioner Bankoli, what do you think the future of the African peace and security architecture, otherwise known as APSA, where some of us is? And, you know, in particular, security deployments being a main area of that. The African peace and security architecture is our overriding plan for a peaceful, more secure, more stable continent. But the new introduction by the African Union leaders in the last two years is the mainstreaming of political governance into our peace and security work. And this means that we are in the process of rolling out the plan for an Africa that is stable based on the African governance architecture and the synergy with the African peace and security architecture. So our deliberations, our activities, are defined now by an integrated approach between AGA and APSA, African Governance Architecture, and its peace and security component. Both are mutually reinforcing, and this is critical for the future of a security space, a landscape on a continent, given the myriad of huge challenges, from terrorism to violent extremism, transnational organized crime, insurrection, rebellion, and the impact of climate change. In our deployments on African governance architecture and the African peace and security architecture, we see a common bond. And that bond relates to how the African architecture defines and reconceptualizes issues such as the initiatives and mechanisms such as the African standby force. The common African defense and security policy 
these are mechanisms that are embedded in the protocol establishing the African Union Peace and Security Council. So these structures are there to push and promote a regional political unity and cooperation to deal with the security challenges and the pervasive threats of today. Thank you so much for that incredible answer, Commissioner. As part of your own mandate, one thing you've spoken about is greater security integration. And the African Union has seen it as an incredibly important area to develop. And this isn't just amongst security, but actually wider cooperation. So we, of course, see the African Free to Continental Trade Area, amongst others, as being an area of focus. How do you see this security integration cooperation amongst member states going in the future? And what role does the Commission seek to play in this process? Development without peace or peace without development will not be sustainable. Therefore, our approach for the future is the Nexus approach. Peace, security, good governance, and development. And the emphasis will be and remains on the rollout of the African Union Agenda 2063. In line with such mechanisms, including particularly African Continental Free Trade Area. These are regionally based initiatives that will help Africa define the future. The future that includes more democracy, women empowerment, and youth inclusion in our processes. It's also defined clearly by regional based approaches regional solutions to regional problems, African solutions to African problems. Given the need, for example, where member states in the region are at the forefront of addressing security challenges on their own. Because the nature of the threat we face today, the scope and the magnitude is basically multi-country, cross-border, cross-territorial. Therefore, you need the same response with the coalition of the willing with the regional-based architecture through the African standby force that is established with regional brigades to address the issues. So be it in Mozambique, the Southern African regional leaders have come together. If it's ECOWAS, ECOWAS has been dealing with this for some time. If it's Somalia, it's the same that the frontline states are taking the bulls by the horn to ensure that they can make things work in terms of working together, all driven by the common African defense and security policy. This is the future, and this is what we are working on based on the Nexus approach that is hinged and premised on governance as the space to promote greater peace and security. Once again, thank you so much for that wide-ranging answer. Since 2005, the African Union has deployed over 13 peace support operations across the continent with the largest mission hosted in Somalia. Can you speak to the claim that Africa-led responses are more effective and responsive to the needs on the ground? Absolutely. 16 years down the line, African Union continues to display, for example, AMISOM and now ATMIS, the African Reunion Transition Mission in Somalia, as the bedrock of our AU-led, AU-mandated, AU-authorized mission. And this is critical going forward. At first, they are more agile, they are more mobile, they are driven by an African agenda for peace and security, 
and critically, they are able to impact and degrade to a great extent the threat posed by terrorism and violent extremism. And we have success stories in the legacy of Amisom that has been able to allow the government of Somalia to continue to hold indirect elections for the past two, three, four seasons of election change. And that has brought some stability and the rebuilding of the state made possible by such undertakings. So we are convinced that the future, and this is very important, the future is peace enforcement, not peacekeeping. The future is definitely peace enforcement to the point where we can, at the end of the day, use special forces, use the ability of the special forces to clear and then hand over to well-trained and most critical, well-equipped, particularly air strategic asset for the job to be done by this. Unlike any other form of peace operations, peace enforcement for us is critical and we are working with the United Nations to convince them to support these peace support operations with the critical support that is necessary from the United Nations assessed contributions. Rather than the AU using partners, we thank the European Union for being with us for the past decade and a half in Somalia. But at the same time, you could see in the case of the multinational joint task force in Lake Chad Basin, spearheaded by Nigeria, Cameroon, Chad, Niger, and voluntarily by Benin, these five countries have come together as self-help, self-reliance to address the threat of Boko Haram. So most important for us is the future, that our peace operations will be defined by peace enforcement because they are more effective, more legitimate, they are owned by the regional leaders, and they know the region and the terrain where the terrorists or rebels act. This is where we believe the future lies. And we call on the international community to continue to support us more with peace enforcement, using particularly predictable, adequate, sustainable financing from the United Nations assessed contributions. Thank you so much once again, Commissioner. One of the areas that we, of course, cannot forget about, especially on the African continent, is climate change. So it'd be great to hear your perspective and the work that your team are doing in relation to mitigate or map out some of the potential long-term impacts of climate change on peace and security. First, it is interesting question, given the work we are about rolling out. At COP27 in Sharm el-Sheikh, Egypt, we were able to roll out 15 key messages at the impact of climate change on peace and security. It's a new area of endeavor, but we see a causal link, a correlation that needs to be explored and therefore, we are undertaking an extensive study with a group of researchers based at the Adelphi Consultancy Institute in Germany, working with our experts on the field and the UNDP to map out the critical factors that we see. Given this impact and the ongoing efforts in adaptation and mitigation, we are further concerned that climate change, obviously, even without waiting for 
the assessment study is a threat multiplier to the peace and security landscape. So you have vulnerabilities, societies that have been displaced, humanitarian disaster, and this fosters, unfortunately, more security threats in the society. So we believe this assessment will open our eyes to the challenge, particularly of headers and farmers, which you know is ravaging West Africa and the Sahel, issues that relate to IDPs without water, issues that relate to the competition over water resources. So what are we dealing with? We're dealing with threat multiplier that is in climate change. And we need to work together to address the intercommunal clashes that come up with this, what the UN study on the Sahel and the Horn of Africa region in terms of this study, way back for five years, speaking to the new fringe of pastoralism, where this needs to be better addressed collectively using the COPE processes to get this on board. We are pleased that we hope by the COP28 in Dubai, we'll be able to roll out this a common African position that will tell the world where we stand. But as we see the evolving findings, the preliminary findings, certainly climate is changing and is affecting our peace and security landscape. Another area that I know you are very passionate about is promoting women's participation in the process. So could you tell us more about the work that you're doing and the African Union is doing in promoting women's participation in peace and security? Very good question. We are very passionate about this. We are encouraging our member states from Cape to Cairo, from Dakar to Djibouti to open up the space for women. So one of the critical things is that we are starting with our institutional level approach, which is where all observation missions for elections on our continent is now at gender parity. We missed it by four points last year, where we had 46% for women and 54% for men. This year, we hope we will reach that parity. And this also includes youth inclusion. At the AU level, where gender parity, youth inclusion, will be the order of the day in all our democratic governance activities. The second is that we hope to work with Commonwealth bodies and engagements on training the youth in democratic governance, in transitional justice, in human rights, so that we can continue to build the capacity of the youth, boys and girls, and as well as women. We are training more women in election observation. While this is important, that we are widening the scope of what we call FEMWISE. FEMWISE is the female network of mediators that has been set up, and now we want to take it to the grassroots. We are appealing and engaging with the political parties in our different member states to give more space, even if it's affirmative action. We're sharing lessons with Rwanda and South Africa that have become leaders in women empowerment. How did they do it? What can other member states learn from these leading lights when it comes to women empowerment politically. We are using resources from within with from partners to encourage more women to run 
in their different political spaces. So we're doing a lot. And I think modestly, though, we need to intensify our approach to make women more active in their local political space so that internationally they can also use this as a leverage for greater political interest and space. They have to claim the space. And we're ready as the African Union because it's, it's in our DNA in the AU where our target is by 2025, two years away, to reach gender parity even in the staffing of the whole organization. We wish you incredibly well with that very important endeavor. Thank you. And thank you so much for actually bringing up some of the points that I wanted to address in relation to political participation, which is, of course, another area that you are leading on. And to come to an end, a key theme from the Africa program in the year of our 20th anniversary, which you are very lucky to be joining us in, or we are very lucky to, for you to be joining us in, is African Agency, as I mentioned, which is often mischaracterized as African solutions for African problems. Our view and we hope in the future everyone's view will be that Africa can provide solutions to global issues. So Commissioner Bangkole, to end, what can the world learn from Africa in relation to enhancing peace and security? One, that the regional space should work collectively, collaboratively with the continental space. Two, that the political will exist and political will of the leadership of the African continent as well as the regional bodies will be better for security to be entrenched. Three, all the critical stakeholders must be on board. Four, we have started a series of networking. First, with the setting up of a network of think tanks for peace, where African and partner institutions, including Chatham House, can come together, advise us on the very naughty threats, security threats that our continent will be facing. And we can integrate that into policy and roll out programs. The African Union has enormous convening power. Like yesterday on Sudan, the chairperson of the commission conveyed over 24 participants, both institutions, P5 members of the UN Security Council, the A3, and other stakeholders coming together with the UN, with IGAD, with the African Union, to try and find a solution to the confrontation between two military generals in Sudan. That is the future. And we need the voice of the civil society. We are working with this civil society on what is called Pan-African Network on PAPS, where they have aligned with our five priorities in our department. We've set up, which was launched in July 2022 in Lusaka, an African Union Interregional Knowledge Exchange, where lessons are shared between the eight recognized regional economic communities and the two regional mechanisms. We are building a union of people, not a simply a union of governments. Thank you so much, Commissioner Bancoli, for that answer. I'm sure the policymakers and listeners to this podcast will be writing down notes furiously of all the different things that you have said. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It's Thank been you. a pleasure to host you. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. And that brings us to the end of the podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening. Please do subscribe to us on the platform you're listening to us on and do leave a review as it will allow others to find this podcast easier. Once again, thank you so much for listening to Africa, where it's an honor to have you. I've been your host, Yusuf Hassan. Goodbye.